Hello and welcome everyone. I am Shantanu and I am Satish. Thank you for tuning into our podcast The Beta Talk. If few of you might have trickled back to your offices and the government have just started unlocking the economy phase by phase, but it seems that economy is still and will be into terrible pain for a brief period. But there is nothing to remorse. As experts suggest that this won't be the case like 2008 financial crisis. As part of our initiative to elevate our educational outreach with our listeners, we have launched our new series Unlockdown What's Next to Normal. This series is dedicated to share insights with our listeners through articles and podcast and economic revival strategies shared by our guest speaker and the beta team. So this is our first episode and under this series and today we will talk about one of the most important event of the century the labor transition. And today we have Mr. Pranav, risk management expert from ENY who will throw some light upon the labor scandal transition and its undermining causes and effects. Before we deep dive into the session, Satish will give brief introduction about LIBOR. But before we begin, I would like to confirm the listeners that LIBOR transition was not the result of COVID-19. Rather, COVID-19 has an impact on LIBOR transition as it will delay the process. Over to you, Satish. Yeah, thank you, Shantanu. I think in the first place, we need to understand what LIBOR is. Well, it stands for London Interbank Offer Rate. Assume, hypothetically, there are two banks, Bank A and Bank B, somewhere in Europe. As you know, banks have to maintain certain percent of the daily cash demand as cash reserves. In case, at the end of the day, Bank A faces a shortage of funds, it can approach Bank B for its short-term requirements. And Bank B can lend it to Bank A under certain interest rates. And exactly here, LIBOR plays a key role. It acts as a global rate on which Bank B and Bank A will transact. So these rates are decided by the British Bankers Association way back from 1986 to 2014. Around 2014, a series of scandalous news broke out which diverged the dark side of LIBOR. Authorities worldwide have levied more than 9 billion US dollars of fines on many banks including RBS, UBS and Barclays. They had to pay massive fines. as they were responsible in rigging these benchmark rates but now these benchmark rates are decided by ICE intercontinental exchange and in india we use a cousin of libor which is mybor mumbai interbank offer rate all the transactions in india follow this rate right satish so i will provide few insights on the inner workings of the libor so there are basically five currencies those are the main currencies the sterling pound euro US dollar, Japanese yen and Swiss franc. While we have on the other side seven maturity terms. The overnights, one week, one month, two month, three month, six month and 12 months. So there are 35 combinations out of which US dollar and three month is the commonly quoted rate. LIBOR rate is basically applicable for short term interest rate in London financial market. and is considered as the global reference rate for unsecured loans as well as various short term instruments so when bank b lends to bank a it would consider the libor rate in addition to the spread so spread is nothing but from where the bank earns its profit so now in case banks are providing letter of understanding or letter of credit or other forms of short term financing then it would follow the similar calculations now who provides this rates to 
British Bankers Association or Intercontinental Exchange. Now the process of calculating the benchmark interest rate remains same to a large extent. Banks on day-to-day -day basis give quotes of the interest rates on which they are ready to lend. From this, from the quotes given by banks, the top 25 rates and the bottom 25 rates are removed. That is, like there are 18 banks which are under LIBOR. So if you go by the calculation, then the top four highest rates and top four lowest rates are actually not considered. They are removed. The remaining bank codes, that is the 10 banks codes, is calculated, which will be the benchmark interest rate on which banks transact. This process is carried out by Thomson Reuters every day and the benchmark rate is disclosed on 11.30 a.m. These rates are quoted in almost 10 different currencies and for 15 different maturity periods ranging from one day to one year. By one estimate, which we came across in our research, more than $800 trillion were linked to LIBOR, which is more than 50 times the US GDP. So that's the magnitude of LIBOR. But what went wrong? Why all of a sudden a transition towards alternate reference rate was needed? Mr. Pranav will provide a holistic understanding of the scandal involved with LIBOR. But for now, Satish has some interesting facts and figures for you. Yeah, thank you, Shantanu. Before knowing about the scandal, we need to understand how big is the size of LIBOR. It makes the story a bit more interesting. LIBOR benchmark rates impact the corporate municipal bonds, mortgages, credit card rates, interest rates FAPs, future contracts and foreign exchange FAPs, and most interestingly, and most importantly, the student loans, which most of you might have taken. In our research, we found out some stats. In total, when we look at the US Commodity Future Trading Commission, CFTC, it is estimated that more than 800 trillion US dollars of financial products are linked to LIBOR. Other estimates says that around 45% of prime adjustable rate mortgages and more than 70% of subprime mortgages were linked to LIBOR. According to the Bank of International Settlements, the notional value of OTC interest rates and foreign currency derivatives totaled to 567 trillion US dollars by the end of 2011 and around 10 trillion US dollars of corporate and municipal bonds, floating rate notes, mortgages and other consumer loans were also linked to the LIBOR benchmark rate. These stats give us an idea about the sheer magnitude of LIBOR. Everything was in the right place until the two articles that were published by a leading journal raised the suspicion. And in fact, the leading bank was fined 451 million US dollars and many other banks were also charged with penalties. The entire system was compromised, which made the ICE, Inter Intercontinental Exchange, take control of the system. Now many countries have their own benchmark rate. For example, secured overnight financing rate SOFR is used by USA and Switzerland. Swiss average overnight rate SARON is used by the Switzerland again. Sterling overnight index average SONIA is used by England. These are some of the examples of the rates that different countries are now using. That's all from our side. Now we would like to turn our mic to our guest speaker, Mr. Pranav, who would enlighten us further regarding the scandal involved and the transition to ARR, Alternative Reference Rate. Hello, sir. We are really lucky to have you at our show. We have been actually trying a lot to host this particular episode on LIBOR and we have been in talks with you for a while, but you were unable to keep your time because you were also busy into your uh, job. 
and thanks to you again for coming to our show and finally giving us time and so before we deep dive into the session we would like you to give a brief introduction about yourself sure shantanu uh, yeah. hi everyone uh, i hope you all are safe and wherever you are hearing this uh, i am pranav chudgar i work with ey in the financial services risk management practice so it's an advisory practice where we work back with clients across corporates banks nbfcs insurance companies and they would be pan india they would be european clients southeast asian clients and we help them in their treasury agendas so it would be around uh, treasury cost optimization it could be around technology related treasury projects or it could be improving their uh, treasury strategies in terms of hedging strategy funding strategy working capital banking uh, restructurings so right in everything under the treasury ambit is what we would advise clients so that's a really exciting profile like definitely is a dream for some people who are probably wanting to go for into treasury department yeah so unlike any other episodes liber transition is a very vast topic which can't be covered up into a single session but definitely we would try to confine it so without wasting any more time listen more from you so i would like to uh, i would ask you to give a brief introduction about the topic like why liber is to be considered to be one of the most important number of the world like why probably people previously used to consider uh, like pi or euler's number to be the most important numbers but now probably liber is something very much important number into the in the world sure so uh, i think let me just give a brief about uh, just a minute to tell you what libor is all about so basically right. in any economy an economy functions because there is financial activities happening and there will be people who are saving money and there will be people who are in need of money now obviously you need interest rates when there is exchange of money of hands there is an interest rate that the person who is saving will want on his money so right. libor is a interest rate which is uh, which governs around 800 trillion dollars worth of financial transactions it could be derivative transactions it would be loans it would be right. cds it would be housing loans so any and every financial asset Uh, where there is an interest rate is backed by the uh, libor interest rates and right. uh, libor is a it's not just one rate it is published across five currencies dollar jpy gbp euro and chf right. and across seven tenors so you right. have an if if i take dollar libor you will have uh, overnight libor one week one month two month three months six months and 12 months so basically right. you have matrix of five currencies and seven tenors which is 35 rates which are published every day and this is published by banks where polling is done and banks there are a set banks which will publish this that what is the libor trading today across these 35 grid and uh, based on the rates that are set on that day all the derivative all the financial loans all the Uh, other financial lending and borrowing will happen on the rate that is published on it so from a background perspective like i said it's an 800 trillion market that the libor is and compare it with the i think the world G- 
GDP is around 70 trillion. US is around 17 trillion of GDP. So it's almost 10 times the world GDP on which LIBOR is linked to these financial assets. So that's how big the whole LIBOR market is. So, uh, so as you suggested, like there are around five currencies and there are most around seven maturity terms that makes it 35 combinations. I just wanted to ask like, like the most important currency or the most traded currency in this particular library is dollar. And the most okay. important maturity term is three months. So that gives a combination that dollar and three month is the mostly commonly quoted uh, combination. Now, Correct. despite dollar being one of the most important, like LIBOR, despite being uh, USD dollar to be one of the prominent currency, why it's being uh, traded or mostly considered in a uh, sterling pound uh, country? So I'll go back a bit because I like to read uh, history and how historical events have impacted financial markets. It's a very interesting way to link whatever happens in the market. So when World War II uh, and ended, the whole uh, European region needed money to rebuild itself. Right. Now, every European country was devastated and they did not have any money left to rebuild these the, their own country. It was only US which survived the impact of financial devastation because obviously none of the European countries attacked US. It was always, the war was always fought within the European periphery. So US had money which they could lend to the European countries. And UK has always been the financial power till the World War One and World War Two. The banks that were established in UK were the ones which became the center point from where money was distributed to other European regions and money was used in UK. The US, under the Marshall Plan, started remitting dollars to the European market and the UK banks were the recipient of these dollars. So the UK banks would receive dollar and then they will lend it to whichever country or whichever entity needed this money. And now when lending had to be done, the banks had to come up with an interest rate. At, at what rate will this, this money be lent? And because London was the financial hub, the interest rate, the benchmark interest rate started to be known as LIBOR, which is London Interbank Overnight Rate, which means that what is the rate at which one bank is lending the other bank on an overnight basis? Okay. So that's okay. where the prominence of uh, London came in when it came to lending. And then obviously as uh, the financial markets started evolving, uh, it was not just dollar in which rates were published, but the banks started publishing rates in much wider currencies. And there was a time when even, I think, uh, Swedish Krona and Norway Krona LIBOR rates were published, but it was not a frequently traded currency or not a frequently traded interest rate. And hence, some years back, that was stopped by these banks and the focus remained on the five currency pairs. Right. So, like, as you said, like, uh, LIBOR is mostly used as a benchmark rate or probably as a global reference rate when it comes to uh, uh, calculating the interest rate for short-term instruments. Like even uh, I think even for home loans or mortgages, even I think LIBOR rate is being considered if I'm not wrong. Correct. Yeah. So in that scenario, like LIBOR was pretty much, it was like one of the most prominent being used for interest rate calculation. Despite that, prior to 2007, LIBOR was 
that like LIBOR is to move very closely with other short-term interest rates, like such as in uh, treasury yields or overnight index swaps. Now, hmm. post 2007, like during uh, the financial crisis, there was a display of higher volatility was observed in LIBOR and the other short-term interest rate. Now, what was the scenario particularly? What exactly happened? Because I think the controversy and entire scandal regarding LIBOR started from that particular time. So could you okay. shed some light on this issue? Correct. So uh, when you look at LIBOR, it is a it is a combination of three things that go in pricing a LIBOR. Now, for any economy, the interest rate, the base rate is what the central bank rates are. So just like that for LIBOR, and I'll focus on the dollar LIBOR because that's around 70% or 80% of the trading happens in dollar LIBOR. So uh, when I when I look at a dollar LIBOR rate, it comprises of what the current Fed rates are or what the central bank rate is. So that's the risk-free rate. Then there is a component of credit risk, which means that the whole lending that happens in the LIBOR market is unsecured. So if, for example, Barclays is lending uh, Credit Suisse, it's an unsecured lending that happens in the LIBOR market. So when Barclays wants to lend to Credit Suisse, Barclays will look at what is the credit risk that Credit Suisse is being associated with. So there is a credit risk component involved in the LIBOR part. And the third is the liquidity risk, which means that if I'm lending for three months, I'll just like the term structure is upward sloping. If it's a three month versus a six month or a 12 month, I will I'll ascribe a premium to higher premium to longer dated unsecured lending vis-a-vis -a, -vis a shorter dated unsecured lending. So LIBOR will always have three components. One is the Fed rates or the risk-free component, the credit risk and the liquidity risk. Now, in a normal scenario, uh, these will continue to be remain in a, in a range bound and the LIBOR rate will be very near to where the Fed rate will be. What happened in 2008 is that because of the whole the whole crisis that was unfolding in the subprime markets and the uncertainty, and finally when the point when Lehman collapsed somewhere in September 2018, if my memory serves right, it was 15 September or 14 September when the whole Lehman went burst. So right. that's when the credit worthiness of each bank came into picture because it was a domino effect that Lehman collapsed and everyone who had lent to Lehman now suddenly was staring at a loss. So now they had to write off their loans given to Lehman, which means that the bank itself started becoming uh, risky. Yeah. So the credit premium that was associated suddenly shot up. And the LIBOR rates, which were at, uh, I think, somewhere close to 0.3 or 0.4 prior to Lehman crisis, the three-month LIBOR, suddenly shot up to 4% and 5% for those 5-7 days before the Fed intervened. So that was the background of why during the 2008 crisis, LIBOR suddenly piked up because of the whole inherent credit risk problem involved in the market. And it is not just LIBOR. We have seen similar inferences happening even in the Indian markets or even in other global markets where, where the where credit risk of banks, when it comes into question, the unsecured lending suddenly spikes up for a couple of days. Okay. So, uh, like, sir, 
was it part, any particular event or any particular bank was responsible for this controversy because once i when i was going through this article mm. about Raj, i think it was wall street journal who whistle blew about this scandalous that was happening and uh, one particular bank was actually announcing those rates instead of going through thomson reuters uh, datas uh, rate mm. datas so is, is is this was the scenario something like that similar to that so uh, i think uh, post 2008 so when the lehman crisis happened and the market started stabilizing a bit normalcy returned back to the market but obviously libor because of its inherent nature it, it identifies or it signifies the health of the bank or the overall health of the financial system because if there is a credit risk premium attached to the lending that is happening and if the risk premium is much higher it means that the financial system is still not strong enough or there are still problems in the financial system so it was always in the interest of the banks to report a lower libor number which means that the financial world feels that with a degree of confidence that there is the the problem of lehman has subsided and everything is better so for banks it was always in their interest to report a lower libor number obviously having said this since the the way libor publication happens is that it's a poll among banks now what happens is that when it's not libor is not based on actual transactions that have happened in the market it is based on what one bank will lend to the other bank now it may mean that there is no actual lending happening but the rate is just as number which says that if the bank has to lend this is the rate at which it will lend okay. so it there were scenarios where the actual lending never happened but the rates are still published so there are couple of banks obviously uh, it's in public domain so i can clearly name it out that uh, barclays royal bank of scotland and i think anz was there and even city bank to some extent a lot of these banks they were actually rigging the libor which means that the traders who are setting who are who are responsible to set the libor rates will call up each other in the bank and ask that what is it that you want the libor to be published at? and if you uh, read the scandal the once the investigation started the traders chat windows and the traders phone calls were looked into because in the financial world if you set if you go into a dealing room all your phone calls are recorded all your chats are stored in the company server so the investigators were able to take this information out and there were chats between traders asking that what is it that they want the libor to be published at or there were phone calls where traders said that if libor is 5 basis point lower it will help them okay. and then there was a give and take that at one point barclays published 5 basis point lower and then there were days when barclays wanted that the libor should be pushed lower so they would call up the trader in another bank and tell them to now honor their commitment of publishing a lower rate this was also because all the derivative transactions the whole cds market and the whole subprime market or any any derivative profit or losses were based on the libor rates so any interest rate swap or any any currency derivative swaps that were happening the payments were dependent on libor so if the libor is set lower it means that one bank is profiting more because that bank would have sold certain derivatives to their clients or to hedge funds or other financial institutions so there were two fold advantages for banks to rig the libor and keep it low one was that they it 
their banks look uh, in a better healthy position and they were able to take undue advantage of the derivatives that were sold to their clients so that was the whole controversy which came up in somewhere in 2012 it came out that the whole investigation was uh, made public of what the scandal was happening and in fact there was uh, one of our former trader who had commented in a newspaper that this manipulation has it's a very common thing since 1991 so that's where it shook the faith in libor okay so so like now since uh, the british uh, bank association is shifting towards sonia so now how different will be sonia because if i see the libor calculation i think more than the documentation process or more than the quantity process the if you see the libor calculation that there's a overnight risk free rate of uh, rate of return plus the term premium then the credit risk and the liquidity risk and the term risk premium so this was a basic calculations for libor so now how that is different how sonia is different from libor like what was the reason that they have preferred to sonia and what sonia is different from uh, libor in terms of calculations or in terms of entire documentation process the entire process so uh, now since the libor scandal happened uh, british bankers association shifted the rate fixing international continental exchange that's what right. ic intercontinental as an administrator of uh, libor correct yeah so bba yeah. shifted it to ice and uh, while the shift was happening in 2012 they came up with a roadmap to phase out libor because of the inherent problems that are there in libor now obviously the inherent problems are that uh, it's based on unsecured lending it's based on notional transactions and not on actual transactions so because it's based on notional transactions there are chances to rig the libor now libor was fixed by the banks for all currency pairs different currency pairs the roadmap that was uh, presented was that every country will now have to come up with their own reference rates so it will not be that there is say set of five or seven banks who are publishing reference rates for their own for for the whole set of world every country will have an alternate rate referencing which is called as arr so in us the us committee that was that was assigned to do this came up with an alternate rate which is called as secured overnight funding rate or sofer uk came up with sonia which is sterling overnight index average and switzerland japan and the eurozone came up with their own reference rates so obviously because 70 80% of the trading happens in sofer which is the dollar it's sofer which is the secured overnight financing rate which is more which is something that you'll keep reading a lot and okay. like i said every country had their own working groups so us had their own uh, alternate reference rates committee which is arrc uh, uk had their own which is working group on uh, sterling risk free rates so that's how each uh, country has developed its own working committee and so for sonia saran ester these are the rates for each of the currency pairs now the the preference to this alternate rate is that these rates will be based on the actual lending that has happened in the market and it will be okay. based on the secured lending and not on unsecured lending 
so that removes the credit risk component from libor so it will be but based on the actual transactions that have taken place and that's the biggest advantage that this uh, alternate rates will have okay so but sir, still the 18 com- uh, banks which were earlier associated with libor will still be with uh, sonia yes the same banks but they will have to prove that a transaction has happened at a particular rate that they are going to publish it will not be like a phone call where two traders are discussing they will have to give evidence that a actual transaction has happened okay and uh, moreover i think in sonia the uh, like previously in libor it was mostly the cash where loans or the lendings which are provided were unsecured so uh, will in sonia it will be more secured loans provided or it will be it will be seem unsecured the loans can be secured or unsecured but the reference rate that is published okay will always be based on secured lending now once a reference rate is published and then when a bank wants to lend to another bank at an unsecured rate it is left to that bank to apply a credit risk premium on top of the reference rate okay sir and finally the i think one of the most complicated question that i think and also it's very lengthy that is how this transition will actually take place like uh, there are almost mm-hmm. around 800 trillion billion 800 trillion dollars which are under priced under libor now the, the, those particular instruments now has to get shifted to sonia so the uh, interest rates will uh, probably change the spreads will change now how this transitions will take place and what are the challenges uh, the companies would face or they have complained Uh, while trans uh, like while uh, during the transition from libor to sonia for any financial contract the basic premise of a legal agreement is something called as fallback clause which means that in this case every agreement or every transaction that happens and the legal agreement behind it will say that in event where libor is not published there will be a fallback arrangement on picking the libor rate this was assuming that there will be say for example it's only one day where libor is not published and you will look back at the previous days libor in case there is say a terrorist attack on london and hypothetically let's say that uh, libor is not published for 5 days so they will look at the last published libor rate to reference everything in this case because they will phase out libor in 2021 it means that you will see a scenario where there is no libor published when my rates are reset in say july 2021 or maybe in december 2021 so i can't rely on a rate which is published in on 31st december 2020 for my interest rate fixing that happens in june 21 or july 21 so the market is still grappling in terms of changing the legal agreements to say that the fallback clause will have to be changed that in case libor is not published sonia or so for whichever the currency pairs reference rate is that is the rate that has to be used so every contract will have to undergo changes which means that it brings in the legal element around it that companies will have to go through all of their contracts which are not just related to financial contracts but even contracts where there are penalty clauses assigned in cases where say for example if i delay my payments then typical contract will say that the interest rate charged will be based on 3 months libor for the number of days of delay that has happened now companies will have to look at their contracts 
and see all of these contracts where such LIBOR rates are mentioned and they will have to change it to the respective benchmark rates. So it's a mammoth exercise that needs to be done. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two for a SOFA or a SONIA is that it's only for an overnight purpose. So it's, there is no term structure, which means that SOFA or SONIA will be published for rates which are or transactions of today. But if I want to price a three-month loan, there is no term structure unlike LIBOR where it's a three-month, six-month, 12-month term structure. So it will be left to each trader to decide that how will he price in the liquidity risk or the term structure on top of the reference rate. And uh, I think another challenge is that there are no historical rates available for SOFR or SONIA. They are, they've started only from 2018. So as a derivative trader, if I'm trading derivatives and if I have to price my uh, transaction, I will always want to look at historical rates to factor in any black swan events or any anomalies that would have happened historically and price it in my current term structure. Okay. So that is not possible. So obviously without a term structure, you can't do bootstrapping. Without a historical rate, you can't price in such black swan or uh, uh, extreme fat-tailed events. And uh, finally, the last challenge is that uh, Sonia or SOFR, it's not forward-looking. Which means that for a company, if uh, if my rates are being told to me today that this is the rate, on way, the, if I take on a loan and if I have to make my interest payments, I will want to know today that what is my interest payment going to be after three months, which is possible in LIBOR because it is a forward-looking in rate that I it's set in advance. In in the new rate regime, the reference rate will be set on that day, and now I will have to make my interest payments for the loan which I have taken earlier. So it's more of a backward looking rate, which doesn't give me comfort because I cannot plan my cash flows. So it's like saying that for the home loan that I have taken for the next month, I have to, in LIBOR scenario, I know what is the interest rate, that, what is the EMI that I'm going to pay because LIBOR is set in advance. In the new rate, I will be told in the month of at July end, I will be told that for the loan that was outstanding in July, this is the interest that you have to pay. So at a corporate level or even at a retail level, it becomes difficult to plan your cash flows under the new rate regime. Okay. So thank you, sir. It's really, like, it was really helpful. We were actually trying a lot for this library session with you. And actually, it was you who it was you who tied up. Yeah, I was tied up in a lot of things. And since we have our financial year end 30th June, so somehow EY has a July to June calendar, and that's why I could not uh, give you a specific time for this session. But it was really, really wonderful to have this session. So thank you to all of you. Thank you, sir, for providing us with your valuable insights. Thanks a lot to all the listeners and we hope it cleared your doubts regarding the emerging views on LIBOR transition. Please follow us on our social media platforms and listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcast and iTunes with the same name, The Beta Talks. This is Shantanu signing off. Music